immersive audio podcast in conversation with industry thought leaders, practitioners, artists, academics, and entrepreneurs discussing all aspects of this rapidly evolving industry from art, science, and business to practical insights and project case studies. We aim to inform, educate, explore, and unite the community. Welcome to the Immersive Audio Podcast brought to you by 1618 Digital. Today, host Oliver Cadell is joined by Samuel Huber in our London Field studio. Sam is the founder of AdMix.im, the first ad tech platform for mixed reality, giving VR, AR and MR developers the best tools to monetize their content. He frequently speaks at VR, AR and ad tech conferences and is obsessed with the convergence of frontier technology, ad tech and consumer behavior. Today, Sam discusses AdMix and advertising in a non-intrusive way, monetization solutions and the importance of audio and VR advertising. Samuel Huber, thank you for stopping by and welcome to the Immersive Audio Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. That's a pleasure. So where are you coming from today? Uh, We are based in central London, so uh, not too far. So we'd like to kick off by asking a few questions about the company you're representing, which is admix.in. Mm-hmm. I believe you launched recently and you're planning to disrupt the market of immersive advertising. Correct. Could yes. you tell us more about it? Absolutely, yeah. So the idea came from really looking at the history of media. You know, we went from telling stories using text, audio, pictures, videos. So we thought, what is the next step? And it's pretty clear to us that immersive technologies such as virtual reality, augmented reality, and in the future, mixed reality is this new interface. The content becomes really all around us. The notion of a screen as we know it doesn't exist anymore. And so it really redefines the rules for brands to be part of this experience. We know that advertising is going to be playing a major role, obviously, because it's the default business model to monetize any type of media at scale. So we basically thought, you know, we need to develop a solution that enables brands to advertise properly by respecting the new rules of this media. And so that's what AdMix is. It's a way for brands to place their products or their brand in a non-intrusive way. So really trying to integrate the message with the environment. That's very interesting. I'm wondering how did you transition into VR and immersive media industry from doing different things? Because I believe you have a background in something completely different. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I started as a mechanical engineer working in the Formula One industry, so indeed fairly different. But I've always kept a lookout for new technologies and especially where people are spending their attention. So in 2013, when I was still an engineer, I saw that video was becoming a big thing. People were starting to share more video create their own videos. And so I left my job to create a mobile game studio that was centered around video content. Uh, We ended up selling one of our best games called Rock Trader. It was a a trading simulation. And then I started working in e-commerce, but, you know, always kept looking for what was the next big thing and where did I think that people will spend their attention in the future. And so in 2014, when I started looking at the DK1, the first VR headset, I actually bought that kit and trying it, it was very natural for me to think that this was going to be the next interface, the next media. I really, I think, so, you know, beyond the gimmick, this was a very basic kit at the time. The apps were non-existent, but I could almost see that 
when the technology would get there, that would be the next thing. Just like a lot of people saw mobile, you know, even though the first mobile phones were five kilograms and really not practical, they could see that the media was just in its infancy. So I think we're still at this stage for VR and AR, but there is a lot of potential and the ability to really surround the users with content is, is something that we haven't done before. So very exciting. Very exciting indeed. I'm curious to hear what was your very first immersive experience that provoked that sort of uh, realization and what you had aha moment, this is it, that's what I would like to focus my attention from now on? I guess the first ones were 360 videos, which were, you know, not even stereoscopic, just basic videos. And I thought, okay, this is cool, but where is that going? But I remember specifically when I bought the Gear VR and I downloaded an app called Face Your Fears, which is, I think the app in question was going into a hotel room and the app incentivizes you to look by the window and you can really see a drop and you can see like 40 stories drop. And then a robot comes, breaks the window and grabs you and puts you on top of the building. And I was literally like shaking and, you know, I really felt like it was very high and I was at a risk to fall. Like it was, it was crazy. It was really the first time I've heard people talk about it before, but when you experience it, it really feels like, wow. And, you know, the graphics were not even amazing. Like, what can this be if the experience is actually great? So I thought there is a sense of presence, a sense of experiencing the scene that has never been done before. And so for me, this is really a way to storytell in a way that has never been done before. That's very interesting. We already touched on uh, things that you've done previously, but I would like to come back to your educational background. What exactly did you study, when and where, and how the whole notion of running a business came about? When did you decide that you want to run your own enterprise? Yeah, it came actually pretty late. I'm a French person, so I studied in France in high school until I was 16. Then I decided to go to university in Switzerland, in Lausanne, to study physics. And at the time, I thought, you know, physics is basically the base of everything. Uh, understanding physics really helps you understand how the world works. And it does to some extent. So I really enjoyed my studies. But it was also very theoretical, so I couldn't really see a real application in, in the real world. So this is when I decided to make the move to engineering, trying to apply some of those physics skills to the real world. At the time, I was very, you know, caught up in my studies. I knew I needed to go to the next step. I needed to get this job. So I really didn't have time to take a step back and think, is this really what I want? And so it only happened after a few months at my job, which I liked, but I knew it wasn't really the thing for me. And so I guess, you know, looking back now, I can see that although I was never really a kid entrepreneur, I was not trying to sell cards or whatever it was to make a buck, but I was always very creative. I was always trying to come up with concepts. I published a book when I was 12. So, you know, I was always trying to create something, whatever it may be, whether it's comic books or even doing stupid movies with my brothers and cousins, always trying to make something. And so I guess that's where it came. I always wanted to do my own thing. And eventually I realized that the best way to do that as an adult is to create a business. I sat with the idea for about maybe six, seven months when I was still working in Formula One industry. And then eventually I decided to leave. I had a couple of ideas to create apps. Like I said, I saw video becoming big. So I knew I wanted to do a, a video centric type of app. And so eventually I left, moved to London and tried to create something. That's very inspiring. And publishing your own book when you're 12 is definitely very impressive. Yeah, I mean, don't read the book, but... <laughs> so it was a written piece of text as opposed to visual? Yeah, yeah, it was a proper book, 200 pages, written in French. It was a story about rats attacking New York City or something like that. Um, I'll try to find a copy. <laughs> That's very interesting. 
I would like to go back to the company Admix, which we talked about at the beginning. I'm curious to hear um, what are the achievements today and what are the areas of business you're focusing on perhaps or what are the unique features of your proposition? Mm-hmm. Just to give a bit background of how the solution actually works. So we have a plugin that integrates with the content creator uh, game engine. So whether it's Unity, whether it's Unreal, if you're, a, let's say, a developer of VR games, you can install a free plugin. And it gives you the ability to identify areas of your content, for example, a a banner on a wall or a TV somewhere in a room or even a a 3D can of Coke, a pizza box that you want to place somewhere. And these elements are branded. And every time one of your end users would see them, you you make money as a developer. So it's, it's really a monetization solution. And so we bridge the gap between the advertiser world and the developers. So what we've done last year, we've been really focusing on getting fully integrated with the advertiser world. Our approach since day one has been to be fully programmatic. And that means that we're not going after each advertiser separately, but instead we connect to big ad networks where once you're connected, basically the buying and selling process of advertisement is all automated. So now if I give you the plugin as a developer and you say, okay, I want a banner here on this wall, it's going to be instant. In less than a second, you're going to have a banner for the most relevant advertiser that is going to appear and you can make instant revenue. Whereas the other way would be to say, okay, here's a banner. Okay, let's contact Coca-Cola, see if they want to buy it, negotiate a price. And so that's the old way of media buying. But we went from, of course, for the programmatic element. So over the past year, we've spent almost six months to integrate with ad networks like Oath, which includes Yahoo and AOL and a couple of others as well, to give their advertisers the ability to buy this VR inventory. And we're the first company to do that. That's very impressive. I'm curious to hear more about the functionality of the plugin within the game engine. Could you perhaps, as opposed to using like a straightforward banner on a wall, can you implement it as an object within a narrative? For example, there is a scene with people in the kitchen mm-hmm. and there is a, a bottle of a spirit. Yes. And could you apply advertising in that fashion? For sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's it's not only banners, it's not only flat display. That's really the way we got started because advertisers have those creatives already. But the idea is that every element in your experience, like this bottle of spirit or, you know, a can of Coke on a table, a laptop sitting there, you know, in the real world, everything is branded. Everything belongs to a brand. And so we just think that it's just a natural way to be able to do the same in, in virtual reality. So effectively, we want to replace those elements with branded elements. So yeah, absolutely. That's the next step. Obviously, there are evident parallels between having banner on the street and having banner in VR within Metaverse, for example. But I'm curious to hear, in your opinion, are there any other emerging techniques and methods of implementing advertising, which is totally obscure and unintrusive and that does not distract audience from the experience? And like what I mentioned previously, something that just blends in within the narrative and, you know, people barely notice it, but somehow it still works subliminally. Are are there any kind of Mm. ideas that kind of quite groundbreaking and innovative in that sense? So we think that uh, product placement is definitely one of the best ways to do so. Just, you know, adding branded elements that are really contextual. And I can't emphasize this enough. It's not about 
adding a, a can of Coke for the sake of it. it. It needs to make sense. It needs to be in an environment where in the real world you would see that can of Coke. And, you know, you can grab it. You can actually exchange it with your friends. So it really becomes part of the story. And users can't differentiate if that's actually an ad being added on top of the experience or if it's really part of the narrative, like you say. So I think that's probably one of the first steps, the most obvious way to monetize in a non-intrusive way. And then we're also working on more innovative type of ad units. And one of them, as you mentioned, is actually a metaverse portal, which enables you to travel between different apps. So you can imagine if you're a VR user and you might use social VR network like High Fidelity, for example, but you also want to use another one like Sensor. The way to swap between the two would be to go back to the menu, change, you know, swap the app, right, by clicking on the icon, obviously. So what we want to do is, is remove that extra friction by enabling developers to drag and drop a portal in their experience. And so you in High Fidelity or any other experience, you walk in that portal and you can select a destination. And the destination basically opens the other app and you can start, you know, like you are traveling in a tunnel in a way and you can immediately enter the other app. And so, you know, we think that's also another way where we could incentivize discovery of new type of application, but in a way that is very, I would say, natural for virtual reality. This idea that all VR content should be linked by the metaverse, I think is, is very, very appealing. It really enables the user to keep living in virtual worlds without the need to disconnect and go back to the real world. So that's also something that we're working on. It's obviously going to take time to get a, a wide adoption for this kind of units, but uh, a lot of people in the space are super excited about creating this metaverse. Yeah, I totally can see why. How important the immersive audio, in your opinion, is within the context of sort of more obscure and more kind of innovative way of brand placement within VR content? I think it's super important. Actually, I wasn't paying that much attention to audio before. And recently we had a really, really exciting experiment with a brand where we would actually place, you know, videos in a 3D experience. And we had 3D spatial audio. So basically, when the user entered the experience, he doesn't necessarily see the video, but he can hear it somewhere in a corner and so that diverts his attention and they end up walking towards that element that for me made me realize wow audio is it is really more important than video a lot of people do say that and i actually realized only recently that that was really the case especially when you have a 3d environment you might not see everything but you, of course you hear everything and so that really can capture your attention so it's important for advertising but i think more generally it's important for storytelling because you're really able to divert people wherever you want. We know, we know that directing a VR movie or even 360 video is quite tricky because the directors don't have as much control over what they want to present because you can look everywhere. So the action might be behind you. So how do you attract people? How do you make sure they look in the right place? Audio, I think, is the answer. This is why I was super excited to come here and, and talk to you guys about that. Using the spatial audio to direct your audience is certainly one of the effective ways at the moment. I'm curious to hear whether there are any other techniques that are perhaps less used and less obvious that you've come across or perhaps had a conversations about. We've also, well, not directly ourselves building it, but um, we're obviously very excited about social VR. How can people communicate in virtual reality? And what's really important there is the sense of presence as well. So as you go closer to the person, you need to hear them louder, basically. Um, 
And so that, that becomes also very interesting when you have a conversation with multiple people and when you can hear that, you know, the person on your right actually speaks on your right ear and the person on your left, on the left side. So I think, you know, this is critical to really make you feel like you are in this virtual world and not just speaking through a screen. Most people probably by now who at least own the smartphone have experienced what is mobile advertising sure as well as on computers youtubes and stuff maybe if you could like draw some parallels and kind of okay that's what's been happening it's been successful now we're moving into the experiential era mm-hmm. and um, you know these are unique opportunities perhaps less in contextual sense but more kind of like in practical terms yeah i think something that is quite interesting is that you know most people if you talk to them about advertising most people don't really like advertising but I always like to remind them that advertising is the reason why your apps are free, internet is free, your newspapers are only like one pound. You know, it's really what's making the backbone of every media. So we know that for a fact that for VR and AR to be successful, it's going to have to depend on advertising because paid content is just not going to scale. Most people are not going to be willing to pay $20 for an app. This is the way to take it forward. And even if people say they hate advertising, they hate paying for content even more than than they hate advertising. So, you know, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. So we want to do it in the right way before someone else does it in a wrong way, basically. And we think that the geometry of VR actually gives us an opportunity for the first time to do this contextual type of advertising that was not possible on the desktop or on mobile because the real estate on the mobile screen is so small. What are the options to place your brand except putting a banner at the bottom? There's not a hundred other possibilities. But in VR, you have everywhere. You can use spatial audio, you can place elements as part of the story. So it really, it's a great step forward for advertising. That's actually a really valid point. A lot of people would argue that technology is pretty good already at this point. But, you know, what's missing, what's preventing XR industry hitting the critical mass and achieving mass adoption within wider audiences is perhaps lack of content. And how can you drive the influx of high quality and content in large quantities across the spectrum and uh, funding provided by the advertising entities is perhaps one of the solutions Advertising is not a way to start the industry because you need mass market. You know, you need millions of users to make money with advertising. So right now, even if developers were all integrating a solution, they still wouldn't make millions of dollars because the audience is not here. So we are preparing for that. But I think in the meantime, the problem is more than content. It's friction at all levels. So it's just like a lot of people don't even know what the options are to buy a VR headset. So there's friction on the marketing side. It's not really being promoted or branded as the new generation of devices. It's still very much focused on gaming, which I think, you know, VR is definitely going to be a lot wider than that. So there is friction there. Then it's pricey. It's still very pricey for what it is. The friction of, you know, setting it up. I mean, setting up a HTC Vive is really a long, tedious process. What people liked about mobile is that when they have five minutes, they can just take it out and start playing a game. There's no friction there. So there's a lot of friction in the setup. And then, like you said, content is very limited. There's a lot of demos, but not a lot of 
like full scale games or content. So I think it's the friction is at all levels. But the good thing to note is that the value is there. Everyone that tries it loves it. So, you know, basically what you need is the value to become bigger than the friction so that it, it makes sense for people to use it regularly. So I think as hardware develops and we have, you know, cheaper headsets, easier to set up, like the Oculus Go, for example, that is an all-in-one headset. You don't need to plug 35 cables and, you know, it's going to get easier basically at all levels. It's going to get easier to discover content as well. And so I think when we reach that point, which is probably still a few years away, then we're going to start seeing major adoption. But also, you know, we're talking about VR here, but we really think of VR, AR, MR as being one big group immersive technologies where the screen, that notion of screen doesn't exist. And then you have different level of immersions. You have VR, which is fully immersed, and then AR, which is partial immersion. But at the end of the day, it's pretty much the same rules, the same geometry between all those media. And so there's no doubt that in the short term, smartphone AR is going to drive this adoption because everyone has a smartphone. About 400 million smartphones are now AR enabled, but most people don't know that they have these capabilities in their pockets. So, you know, we need more marketing, we need more utility in the apps that are available as well. At the moment, there's, like I said, a lot of demos, a lot of things that are cool, but that is not driving retention. People are not really finding any utility for it beyond the gimmick. So I think that's really important. And that's something that uh, content creators really, really need to focus on. Where is the value beyond the fact that it's cool? If you can do the same thing without the AR factor, but just on a mobile phone, why would you use AR? It needs to have a specific use, that something that you can't do without it. I think we're very confident in that happening over the next few years. And so we're just developing a solution for developers to be able to monetize this content where the audience is there. Do you think it's going to be a great challenge to convince consumers that virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, so on and so forth, will be a commonplace in the future? And how do you think we should be approaching this as an industry in general? I think it should be fairly natural. If there's some content created and that enables you to experiment things or do things in a way that you can't do without it, then it's value. It's like the value of mobile is the ability to do your emails if you're in the bus or call someone if you're walking in the street. You couldn't do that before when we only had like home telephones and desktop computers. So that's just value just because it's a new way to communicate. And so I think, you know, VR needs to find this as well. It needs to tell stories in ways that you can't experiment them otherwise, or it needs to deliver value that you can't get right now. And so, you know, I think that a lot of content right now, it's still very gimmicky. It's something that looks cool, but it's probably not really bringing much value. It doesn't have much utility. You know, I'm thinking of some AR games, for example, of some some AR application where you have to hold your phones in front of you. I mean, it's cool, but is it really something that people are going to do? I don't think so. I don't think it's a very natural interaction to do that. So I think when we move away from this, and that's down to the content creators to really come up with things that cannot be done without the use of this media, then I think by default people would adopt it. Because one thing that people want to do, and I think that's the reason why mixed reality specifically is going to succeed, people always want to save time. 
that's our most important commodity. That's a common rule across across the world. People don't want to waste time. And you know, that's why companies like Uber are successful because it enables you to go from A to B quickly or even Facebook, right? You can communicate with your friends quickly. You don't have to pick up the phone. That was the premise of social media. So I think that mixed reality is going to play a big role in that regard because it enables you really to multitask. You can have your AR glasses, you can see this email while you're cooking. It's the next level of being able to do multiple things on the go, on the move. And I think for that reason, it will succeed. But we're definitely a long way away from that. It's certainly exciting times being part of this industry today. There's so many things and so many directions it can take. I'm curious to hear what are going to be the key areas of focus for Admix as a company and perhaps for you personally this year? So for us this year, the key is to meet as many content developers as possible and hopefully get them to integrate our solution. So last year, our focus was on the advertising side and we're now fully plugged in with that ecosystem. So now we just need more inventory, basically more places to help monetize. And so we're talking to a lot of social VR apps, a lot of games, a lot of enterprise app like real estate, for example. And we're just trying to get them to see the value of, of our solution. So it's a simple objective. It's basically increasing our market share And uh, although a lot of those apps don't have much traffic yet, we want to integrate with them, provide them value, enable them to monetize, but also give them access to analytics and ways to understand how their audience consume their content better. And then, you know, we're very confident that some of these apps would become big and we would be able to grow with them. So that's our entire strategy for this year. Are there any interesting case studies, projects that you could mention on podcasts that you currently working on or perhaps going to launch soon in the future? Well, we are running a couple of interesting campaigns in the AR space. So what we've talked about was placing elements as part of a VR environment. The easy thing about VR is that the developers has developed the whole environment. So you know what's going to be there. In augmented reality, you don't have that kind of control because obviously the real world is overlaid with the content. So it brings all kinds of really interesting design challenges and challenges for brands as well. A lot of brands are very worried about brand safety, meaning where do my brand appear? Does it appear next to something that can be, I don't know, violent or you know against the values of the brand? So we're trying to find exciting ways to be able to make that happen in augmented reality. How can we learn about the context. So using like computer vision and all those really breakthrough technologies to try to understand the environment and and make sure that the brands are safe. So that's one thing. And the other thing is the metaverse unit that I was mentioning before, which we are launching in a private event on the 28th of March. And so after that, obviously, we'll have videos of that. As a start, we'll try to connect two applications and get people to travel from one to another. So it's going to be very exciting. What piece of advice would you give to someone who wants to enter industry today and just immerse themselves within the whole XR goodness? Well, I think it's such a early stage of the industry that effectively there is no real experts. Everyone is still experimenting. So I would say the only thing you need is the ability to learn quickly because, you know, every day there is news about a new VR headset, a new AR technology. And so it's a perfect time to get started. I think it's definitely not too late. And, you know, by understanding media, I think as a whole, I'm always trying to draw a parallel with mobile because I think, you know, mobile is the last big 
media disruption. And I think that the immersive disruption is going to be on the same magnitude. So I think if you have a background in working in mobile and you can apply what you've learned about that previous transition to this one, I think it's definitely value, but mostly learning and be able to understand how things are, are moving forward. Samuel Huber, thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Immersive Audio Podcast hosted by Oliver Cadell with guest Samuel Huber. This episode was produced by Gillian Duffy, Oliver Cadell and Giacomo Corpino and included music by Nobs Bergamo. Thanks for listening.